So thankful to be here. It is always an honor to fill in for Pastor Mary, and I always have to laugh because it never fails, and I, I shouldn't say this, but there's some truth behind it, and I hope it stops this time. Um, but every time she asks me to fill in, I get sick. And it, it happened again earlier this week because I was at a leadership retreat last week, and it was an overnight, and we were in the middle of the woods in a, in a cabin. And so my allergies just went whoosh. So earlier this week, of course, of course. So I just kind of chuckle that whenever Mary asks me. So part of me is like, just don't ask me ever again to fill in for you because I really don't like being sick. <laughs> um, but I'm thankful to be feeling better and to be able to give you this word today. Um, I am curious, um, just, you know, by a show of hands, I'm not going to call on you and ask you, but I'm just curious, how many of you are like me and you have a bucket list? of like things that in your life you're hoping like, man, I really want to do this. Whether your bucket list has one thing or like a ridiculous list like mine that's just like endless because I like to dream and do all kinds of things. So some of you have a bucket list. Okay, awesome. So the last few years, it's been really exciting because, you know, we have seasons of our life, obviously. And um, the last few years, I finally to a point in my life where things are not so stressful. I have more time on my hands. My kids are older. So like the demands that I have with them, you know, I'm not changing diapers constantly. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night to take care of them and that kind of thing. So life has kind of um, gotten to more of a rhythm. And so I've been able to kind of do these things on my bucket list, which has been really exciting. But one of the things that's on my bucket list that I absolutely want to do is to take my dad um, on a cruise to Alaska because that is a dream of his. And my dad is a retired um, contractor. He's, he's a carpenter by trade, and, but he's a fisherman at heart, and he absolutely loves it. He talks about it. It's just been something on his bucket list, but he's just never been able to do. Well, we celebrated his 80th birthday um, in May, and so with COVID and all the restrictions that we've had, it's just been something that's been put on the back burner, and I haven't been able to do, but it's it's just there, and I keep looking at cruises and, like, when things are going to open, because I really want to be able to take him on this trip. So, you know, I think about all the things that he would see and just be in awe of. My dad is not a big traveler. He is more of a stay in Michigan, and he likes to camp and just you know, be out on Lake Michigan and fish and do those kinds of things. So to him, this would be like a really like eye-opening um, experience just to travel and see something so vastly different than, than Michigan. Um, so when I think about this trip um, and what we would see, you know, and just the look on his face and like the ocean life and the glaciers and all that, it just, it, it gets me really excited. So it's something that I would love to do for him. Um, but a few months ago when God gave me the topic for today, um, it, it was really interesting that he got me thinking about this um, particular bucket list item. And so the teacher in me, I you know, know that most people are visual learners. So Jesse, can you put that first slide up, please? Okay. So we know that in Alaska, there's over 100,000 um, glaciers. And glaciers, of course, are just accumulations of snow and ice that build up on, on bedrock, right? And it just accumulates. And then through uh, weather and water pressure and just the elements 
of, of uh, you know, wind and things like that, pieces of the glacier will break off. And that's what we're looking at right here. Um, this is a piece of glacier that we know is called an iceberg. So icebergs, you know, we are familiar with because um, we know from our history lessons uh, the story of the Titanic. But icebergs, you know, these float off into the sea. And what makes them really dangerous um, to, sh to ships is that they're, they're very hard to detect. They're, they're not easily to see and navigate around. So if we look at the history lesson of the Titanic, um, we know that the Titanic didn't sink just from hitting an iceberg and, and getting sideswiped. A sideswipe, a ship doesn't capsize just from getting hit from the side. It can, it can survive that. So what we know is that the ship got hit underneath the waterline. But if we're looking at an iceberg, how does that happen if that iceberg is floating on top of the water? Well, what do we know, really know about icebergs? Is that the entire iceberg? No. Huh? Exactly. That's where we get the expression, the tip of the iceberg, right? This is just the tip. So that expression, this image, God really wants you to see this, right? This is just, um, just like Jim said, this is the tip of the iceberg. It's only a little bit of what we see. So Jesse, if you can put that next slide up. Yeah, yeah, wow is right. Like we don't realize how much is really underneath that waterline. So on average, only about 10% of the iceberg lies above the waterline. 90% of the iceberg is what's underneath. And that, of course, is just from like water uh, density and displacement. Um, so this is what's floating. So you can see how some of, like, this is just one example, right? But we can see how an iceberg can actually be wider underneath the water, and that's what makes it challenging to navigate around because a captain might think, oh, I've got all this room, and they miss it on top, but could get um, sideswiped underneath, as it did in the Titanic. So they're very dangerous um, to navigate around, but it's interesting to me that God um, gave this image, and I, he really wants this picture to be a reminder of, the, of today's message because... What he was showing me as I was preparing is, he's like, we humans, we are like icebergs. 10% of what we see, right? But there's 90% of us that's inside. It's what lies beneath. Um, so what is that 90%? So there's a reason that I dress this way today, because typically, those of you who have been here regularly, you know I don't typically dress like this. Usually I have jeans on and some flat shoes and just like a t-shirt, um, pretty casual. So I dress this way on purpose because um, the message, well, we'll get to that. When, when we look at a person, we, don't we instantly have some thoughts I mean, we, I do it. Come on, let's admit it. We all do it. When we, when we see a person, we instantly think something. So I know from being on worship teams for almost 20 years now 
that it happens. When people are on the platform, it happens. I've been on all kinds of different worship teams. I've been on worship teams with individuals who have tattoos all over the place. They wear hats on stage. They wear leather on stage. They wear ripped clothes on stage. And then you have somebody else next to them who's in a full suit and tie. And then, right, Sarah's not, Sarah and I have been on worship teams at different places. She knows who I'm talking about. Um, Right, but we, we make these assumptions and we think different things, um, whether it's good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just we do it, right? Um, it's funny because, like, even my dad will do it. When, when Matt and I had the opportunity to play for Jason Gray earlier this year, I, I wore ripped jeans. Oh my gosh, I had like little ripped jeans. They weren't the big ripped jeans, they had a couple of ripped jeans. My dad's like, That's what you're gonna wear on stage tonight? <laughs> I'm like, yes, Dad, I'm going to wear jeans with a couple rips. <laughs> but right, just like that judgment, like, oh, my gosh, you can't wear ripped jeans. And it just makes me giggle. I love my dad, and he's, <laughs> I hope he's watching. Um, <laughs> but he, he says things to me, like, when I was a young girl growing up, and I, you know, my mom was all excited, she took me and got my ears pierced, and my dad says, if God wanted you to have a hole in your head, he would have put it there. Like, that's my dad's train of thought. And then years later, when I got my first tattoo, if God wanted you to have a tattoo, he would have put it there on you. So I just think it's funny. I'm like, Dad, what's wrong with a tattoo? What is, tell me, what is wrong with a tattoo? And then my snarky self is like, well, thank God that he gave somebody the talent to make tattoos and give me a tattoo, Dad. So anyway, that's kind of a sidebar. But um, point being... When we first see someone, right, we, we have these thoughts about them. So I know just from experience and just hearing things, um, whether it's when I was teaching or just at different churches, and literally I remember the pastor had to um, actually give a sermon one time about it's okay that this person's wearing a suit and that this person's wearing this. Because we carry those thoughts. We carry those thoughts um, and assumptions along with that instant, um, instant thought. You know, so this is like when we go on interviews. This is why first impressions are so important, right? This is why they tell you that. That's why they, t- they teach you certain things like probably shouldn't wear leather leggings to an interview because somebody's going to think something different. I should probably wear my suit to an interview. Um, so... When we're talking about some things today, I really want you to keep this in mind, right? What we see is only 10% of what makes up a person. There's really 90% underneath, and we really want to look at what is that 90%. There's all kinds of stuff that makes up that 90%. What made up that 90% of me when I was 16 years old is a lot different than what made up that 90% now as a 43-year-old because my life experiences have have changed me. Um, My emotions are different. My maturity level is different. Who who my friends are, what my job is, it's all different. And all of those things form and influence who I am in that 90%. So if you don't know any of that 90%, All you're going to see is that tip of the iceberg, and you're going to have certain thoughts and opinions and assumptions just based on that outward look, 
right? So, I mean, if you didn't know me and this was your first day here, you would look at me and say, oh, she's, you know, like even today I extra curled my hair just to be a little bit different today because usually, as you know, it's kind of up or it's just kind of, because Sunday, it's early. Um, so, you know, 90%. <laughs> so, Jesse, next slide. So the title of my message today is called, There's More to the Story. There's always more to the story. So for those of you who take notes, you can put that as the title, and you can put next to it, Iceberg, the Iceberg reference. So let's dive into some scripture here. If we turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We can see here in scripture that Jesus is telling us to examine our motives and conduct instead of judging others. The traits that bother us in other people typically are the habits that we dislike in ourselves. Our untamed bad habits and and behavior patterns are the very ones that we most want to change in others. So ask yourself something. Do you find it easy to magnify the faults in others while excusing your own? Do you find that sometimes we finger point? I mean, I've done it. I think we've all done it. If we're really being honest, I think we've all done it. Um, I think it's easy to do because we are born in a fallen world. We are born out of the flesh. And by nature, we are born uh, prone to be critical. We have critical spirits. And we are prone to have a tendency to look to the negative, to look to the flaws. It is so easy to do that. It is natural to do that. It goes against our very nature to stop being negative and to look at the positive. The Hebrew word for judge is krinos, which means to separate, to make a distinction between, to exercise judgment upon, to estimate, to assume a power over, to call to account, to judge judiciously, to bring to trial, to be brought to account, to administer government over. Oh, when I read all that, it was just ugly, 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 ugly. I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be this authority and this judge over other people. But what God has shown, has shown me over the last few months, he's really pointed out a lot of these things. This, we know this. We know that we shouldn't judge others, Right? We know that. 
but I'm not here today. And what God is saying, he's, he's not going to look, he doesn't want to look today because this actually could be a really long series. I was telling this to the worship team earlier today. Said this topic could really be a long series, probably four to six week series if we really look at judging and what God says about it. But today he just wants to highlight the, the ways that we have habitually been judging each other and making assumptions about each other. Because if you look in the world and really start paying attention um, what other people's habits are and what our own habits are, it's ugly, it's negative, it's bitter. I mean, even in the little things. Just last night, I was um, in a parking lot, and I was trying to leave, and... Um, so I was, I was waiting to exit the parking lot and there was this other individual who was in a vehicle and they were backing out onto the road doing nothing wrong. And they were backing up though farther than you would typically back up. You know, if you were just kind of backing up to then go forward, you know, but that's not what they were doing. They were, they were backing up. I didn't know why they were backing up so far, but whoop-de-doo, they're backing up. Well, so this person's backing up. And then on the road, another car turns the corner and comes upon this car. Well, they see them, so they stop. No big deal, right? Somebody's just backing up their car. This car stops. Well, in an instant, the car that had turned the corner, the people in the car instantly got enraged. And I mean enraged because they were throwing their hands up. And you could see the verbal things that they were saying to this person who literally was not doing anything wrong. They were backing out of their driveway. And they were pulling up farther than apparently they should have. But what they were doing, and, you know, I had the vantage point because I could see that this individual um, could see the other car. I could see that they were looking in their rearview mirror and were very well aware that this car had turned the corner. They were going slow, weren't even close to this car not even close to getting in an accident, but the person in this car and their passenger were irate as if it just ruined their day that this car had, you know, blocked them from just going through. So when this person backed out, all they were doing was backing out so the car that they were blocking in the driveway could get out because they had to go somewhere. But what happened is when that person got out, the person that was behind, who came, you know, came around, pulled out in a rate. They were so angry. They were throwing their hands up and doing all this, and they came around, and they rolled their window down and yelled some pretty nasty things to this person. And then, of course, the person was highly offended, which they should have been, but then they, in turn, yelled some things back. And I sat there, and I'm thinking... Why do we do this to each other? They did nothing wrong. There was not an accident. They weren't even close to the car. And yet, the 30-second delay that these people had in, in going forward turned into this huge, very verbal, you can imagine the expletives that were being yelled and I thought, for what? 
And you know darn well what happens when people get that road rage. Then they're just angry, right? And then, and then what happens? They go wherever they're going, and they go back, and can you believe this? And then it just turns into an anger, and then what happens? They draw people into that anger, and they try to get people to be on their side, and can you believe this? And then everybody starts, oh, my gosh. It's just drama and negativity that spirals, right? I'm giving you a very simplistic example here, but this is quite telling of the instantaneous judgments that we give people. We do it when we look at them. We look at them, when, what they wear, right? We're driving down the road. Somebody cuts us off in traffic. We say, that stupid woman. Oh, that old man. That, you know, as soon as we see them, right? It's whatever. It's whatever they are. That young kid. Oh, I bet he was on his cell phone. Just, you know, why is it that we instantly jump to that rather than saying, oh my gosh, that was a young driver. I bet they didn't see me. They don't have enough experience. I, I wonder if they didn't see me. Thank God we didn't get into an accident. Why can't we say that instead? When somebody cuts us off in traffic, why can't we say, oh my gosh, I'm glad we didn't get in an accident. That person's in a hurry. I hope it's not an emergency. I hope that something bad isn't happening in their family. Why can't we do that? Why can't we go to the positive why do we instantly have to judge each other and assume the worst in people and go so negative? Why? Because we have just become so habitual and so ugly. And we know that social media, I'm not going to get into it, but we know that that has exacerbated the problem. Because it is so easy to hide behind that screen and say whatever garbage we instantly want to say. It's so easy to quickly just put it out there. Oh my gosh, I can't just, the negativity and, oh, they're Republicans, so they're a sheep. Or they're vaccinated and they're not, so, oh my gosh, right? We could go on and on about the things that are dividing us. And what God has really burdened my heart with is we really need to start looking at these little things. Because this is how Satan works. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the biggest ways he does that, he doesn't just come and say, here's a bomb you're destroyed. No, what does he do? He slowly works. He slowly puts wedges. And so one of the ways he does that is by getting us to make snap judgments about people. And when we make those snap judgments, we get angry and irritated. And then we start pulling people onto our side because we want to be right. Heaven forbid that we think that I can be right, but this person over here can also be right. It is a lot easier to just look at somebody and dismiss them as opposed to figuring out that 90%. What is that person really like? Because that takes time. That takes being intentional. That takes effort. We don't like all that. We like instantaneous. We like to just go on with our lives because our life is the only life that matters. Right? We like to just live in our world. But it's these snap judgments that are putting wedges between us. I've watched, I have two really great friends who this past year, especially with COVID and just the political stuff going on, I have watched um, wedges being put between them. And I mean, they are like best friends. 
Um, but because one's Republican and one is Democrat, and they're very um, strong about their beliefs, rather than coming together and just having a conversation about it, they are so insistent that they're each right, that they really are, when they talk and I listen to them, they're debating because they want to prove that they're wrong. And isn't that what we do when we judge? We want to feel better about ourselves. We want to feel like we are right. And we want to prove the other one wrong. But all we are doing is creating division. We are creating competition. And we are creating this negativity in our society. It's ruining relationships. It's ruining it's ruining a lot. And God tells us, right, that our biggest commandment is to love. Let's look at uh, let's look at what ha- can happen when we judge. I don't I don't think I gave you this scripture, Jesse, um, but it's in First Samuel. First Samuel chapter one. <clears throat> let's look at how judging has just been around forever. Chapter 1, verse 12 says, As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So it would be like if I I was Hannah, it would look like this. But she was in such anguish and grief So the scripture goes on. It says, Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long have you, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Verse 15, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now, what do we see happening here? Hannah, if you don't know, is in anguish and grief because she so badly wants to have a baby, and she's barren. And she is pouring her heart out. So you can imagine the devastation on her face and the look that would have been on her face. And she's sitting there and she's praying, but she's moving her lips, but the words aren't coming out because she is in such an intimate place with the Lord. And she's having this conversation just with the Lord that she's not even aware of anybody else and what's going on. And so Eli comes in and sees that and immediately, snap judgment, accuses her of being drunk. You drunk woman. My gosh. What does that do? When we make a snap judgment, look at her response. Don't you dare call me a wicked woman. And this is her. She's speaking. She's the servant, right? She's speaking to her master. Don't you dare call me a wicked woman. Don't you accuse me of that. 
I'm sure she didn't say it with such sass as I am right now, but right? That's, that's what she was feeling, though. That's what she was feeling. Do not take me for a wicked woman. I am praying. And then look at his response. Once she revealed, he was looking at the tip of the iceberg. All he saw was, what the heck is this? That 10%. And then when he learned some of the 90% of that stuff that we hide, that grief that we hide, those things that we go through in life that we don't just have a sign that says, oh my gosh, I'm going through a divorce, or oh my gosh, I just miscarried my baby, or oh my gosh, I just lost my job. We don't put that in the tip of our iceberg, right? But they affect us, and they affect our appearance, and they affect the way we act. Once he learned that 90% or pieces of that 90%, look at how he changed. That There was softness there. There was understanding. And he said, oh, my gosh, go in peace. Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now, why couldn't he, being her master and knowing her already, rather than just coming in and making that accusation, why couldn't he just have come in and, set, and realized something's wrong, something's different? Why couldn't he have just looked at her and said, Hannah, what's going on? What's wrong? Why did he instantly have to go to the negative and assume and make a judgment? I mean, I don't know. Was he trying to be right? Was he just trying to assess the situation? And, you know, his past experiences demonstrates that when a person is doing that, that they have to be drunk. I mean, why can't we go with love? This is why God says, approach people with love. Godly love. Not the type of love you have for your children or your spouse, right? Godly love. Just that compassion, that caring, that, hey, let's take a minute to pause. Let's take a minute to step back and realize that we are not God. We are not all-knowing. We don't know the entire situation. We don't know what's happened. We don't know their past. We don't know their 90%. And why can't we just take a minute to understand before we make a snap judgment. Because when we do that, think now. Now, okay, he, he understands and he said go in peace. But do you think that their relationship just goes back to the way it was? Or do you think that maybe now there's kind of a wedge there? It's, it's different because how can it not be? He just came in and accused of something she wasn't doing. So now they're, you know, if this was a relationship today, they would have to work through that. They would have to work through, why would you accuse me of that? And he would have to explain. And they would have to work through all of that stuff. Rather than if we pause, we can avoid all of that. And we can go with that compassion and that love and try to understand and just think if that scene would have unfolded differently, if he would have went to her, Are you, what's wrong? What is wrong? And then maybe he could have prayed with her 
instead of saying, oh, you prayed, go in peace, now that I understand, okay. There could have been even more love and compassion and understanding there. So, you know, like I said, there's a lot that we could really dive into with this, but I think the biggest thing that God is really just saying is practice the pause. Keep in mind the iceberg. Realize that when we interact with people, whether it's on social media or our day-to-day lives, we're, we're dry, all those really take some time today and think about the areas that you tend to make some snap judgments. We all do it. We all do it. I know I've, yes, we all do it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it becomes habitual. And when it's a habit, we don't even realize we're doing it. And it's so rampant. God wants us to improve our communities. He wants us to improve our relationships. And that comes through love and it comes through understanding. And it comes from taking the time to actually listen and communicate. And in a world that is so instantaneous... It's getting worse and worse, and he's calling us to be leaders in that. He's calling us to start setting the example. No, we're not perfect. We're not going to get it right every single time. But if we can just start somewhere, then just like negativity spreads and we get people on our side when we're so angry, like the car situation, guess what? The same is true with the positive side. And people will cling to that, and we can pull them into that as well. And that's what needs to start happening. We need to start spreading love and start helping each other heal. Because life is hard, and we all go through traumatic stuff, really hard stuff. And if we approach each other with compassion, we can help each other get through that stuff and heal. And that's really, really what... uh, what God wants us to do and what life is about. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. And we also ask for your forgiveness in the times that we have judged and made assumptions. And God, over this next week, we just ask humbly that you show to us different ways, different areas that maybe even unknowingly that we are doing this. Help us, God, to do better. Help us to practice the pause. Help us to remember the iceberg, that there is so much more to people's story than we know. Let that just resonate in our minds throughout the week so we can see people with compassion. What we see is only the tip of the iceberg. We just ask, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the wisdom and the skill to walk in a more positive and intentional way. Help us to break these bad habits that we have. Help us to be that example and to help us be that in the communities, and to help make the change that you are calling us to do. Help us to walk in love and compassion. And we thank you that your word says where we are weak, you are strong. And we just ask for your Holy Spirit to work through us and for you to strengthen us in those areas. 
And I just ask that you would bless each and every person here. Bless their week. Give them favor, Lord. And may they go and walk in peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget, Blessing Shop is open. And if you have your children, please grab them first. Be blessed.